Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Up next, The Truth with Lisa Booth, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Does it even feel like we're living in America anymore? We've seen tyranny in a way that I didn't think was possible here in America, in this free country that we love. We've seen the government shut down businesses against their will, deny people the opportunity to go to church. And now with the vaccines, we're seeing the government trying to dictate to the private sector to fire people if they don't want to get the vaccine. We're living in a COVID dystopia where we are told to ignore common sense. We are told to ignore the science. We are told to ignore what is obvious. And we are told to be good little boys and girls and listen to the people in charge. Just do what you're told. But why would we listen to any of them? This is The Truth with Lisa Booth. So in Austria right now, the unvaccinated, 12 years and older, so even 12-year-olds, are under house arrest as police roam the streets asking for papers of making sure you're vaccinated in order to be outside of your house and to live your life. Germany is contemplating something similar. Australia has built internment camps. And here in America, you cannot dine in cities like New York if you're unvaccinated. Unvaccinated Americans in the country have been denied medical care. They've lost their livelihoods. And I'm so passionate about all of this because we are seeing our leaders reshape the government by using this fear, by using this paranoia to change the government, to obtain power in a way that we didn't even think that was imaginable here in America. And they're lying to us. Joe Biden said that back in September, the whole point of these mandates, the whole point was to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated, was to stop the spread. The whole point of this discrimination we're seeing, this segregation and the treating of the unvaccinated like second class citizens, it's all built on a lie. 
And even dating back to September before that, we knew it was lie. We knew that you could still spread COVID, even if you're vaccinated. So what's the point of all this? And we're not even getting the truth. You go back in September, the CDC changed the definition of what it means to be vaccinated. Previously, it stated that vaccination meant producing immunity. But after it was proven that the COVID-19 vaccines don't accomplish that goal because they don't stop transmission, they don't produce immunity, they changed it. They changed it to merely producing protection. So instead of requiring vaccines that actually meet the original standards, they changed the definition. Similarly, Webster changed the definition of what it means to be an anti-vaxxer. So what does the truth actually mean when the people in charge so freely rewrite it for their convenience? or for their power. During a July CNN town hall, Biden told us, he told the American people, he said, you know what? You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccines. That was a lie at the time. It's a lie now. And he knew it was a lie. You know why? That came after a group of fully vaccinated Texas Democrat state legislators went to Washington, D.C., and they turned it into a super spreader event. Shortly after that super spreader event, shortly after Joe Biden told us that lie, the CDC director admitted that unlike other variants, vaccinated people infected with Delta can transmit the virus. Her comments came in response to a study studying an outbreak that began on July 3rd in Provincetown, Massachusetts. It involved 469 cases. 75% of the cases in that outbreak occurred in fully vaccinated people. And they found that there was no significant difference found in viral loads between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. That was back in July. Yet he moved with these mandates full speed ahead. No regard for the truth, no regard for the science, no regard for common sense. Do what I tell you to do. I own you. That's the message from Joe Biden. We also see now there's a recent study published by The Lancet finding a similar conclusion, finding that vaccinated people are just as likely to spread Delta as unvaccinated people within their households. Politicians like British Prime Minister have at least admitted this much. Listen. A lot of protection against uh, serious illness and death, but it doesn't uh, protect you against catching the disease and it doesn't, uh, doesn't protect, protect you against passing it on. So now is the time to get your booster. Right. So it, it can't stop you from getting or spreading it, but just go ahead and get your third shot. I'm not really sure why anyone's surprised by this because Big Farmer told us this a year ago. Pfizer's chairman and Moderna's chief medical officer told us that they weren't sure if the vaccines would be able to stop the spread. You can also look at places around the country. Uh, You know, there is one British territory where 100% of the population is fully vaccinated. 40% have received boosters. They just canceled Christmas celebrations because of a dramatic spike in cases. Gibraltar. I think I'm saying that right. (laughs) So why are unvaccinated people being discriminated against throughout the world, not just the United States, throughout the world? When the vaccinated are free to indiscriminately spread COVID. Why are the unvaccinated locked in their homes in Austria when the vaccinated are out spreading COVID? Why can only vaccinated people eat and dine in New York when they're spreading COVID? But instead of being honest with us, instead of telling us, you know what, we we might have oversold the vaccines. We might have not been fully honest with you. Maybe we didn't have the information at the time, which was at least a lie when Joe Biden made that comment in July. But, you know, maybe we accidentally oversold the vaccines, right? Instead of just saying that, instead of being honest with us, what are they doing now? You have to get your booster. You have to get your booster after six months because the vaccines lose effectiveness. So what does that mean? 
And when does this all end? And what does that mean for young and healthy people who might not need the vaccine like me? I'm 36. I have a 99.97% chance of survival against COVID. Why do I need the vaccine in the first place, let alone a second, a third, what, another one six months from now, a fourth, right? When does it end? And what does that mean for people with natural immunity when there are over 100 studies affirming the effectiveness of natural immunity? Are they supposed to sign up every six months to get a vaccine that they may or may not need? And look, we know that there is a more than a thousand fold difference in the risk of mortality between the old and young. Dr. Martin Kolderf came on, had an awesome interview with him. He said as much. So me as a 36 year old has a much less risk from COVID than Joe Biden at 78. He's old, right? Of, of course, COVID's going to impact his body different. Anything's going to impact his body differently at 78 years old. I mean, the guy probably should be in a nursing home, not the White House. So what works for him doesn't work for me. And also, of course, what they don't tell us, they don't talk about vaccine injury. They don't talk about risk. They don't talk about potential death. I mean, you can look at countries like Iceland, Norway, Sweden. Many countries are placing restrictions on the Moderna vaccine because of concerns about what it does to your heart, particularly for younger people. And look, there's been deaths as well, right? Like USA Today did analysis looking at between the years of 2000, 2020, right? So you have a 20-year period. And they found that VAERS received 1,005 reports of death after vaccination. Today, if you go to the CDC's website, it says that from December of 2020 to November of 2021, right, so less than a year, there have been 9,810 reports of death among those who have received the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, in fairness, the CDC's website, they do note that reports of adverse events, including death, don't necessarily mean that the vaccine caused the health problem. That's fair. It's self-reporting. You can't draw a straight line between the deaths reported and COVID per se. But does it nine times the deaths in less than a year compared to a 20-year period of time raise at least some concerns? Wouldn't that get the media just a little curious? Wouldn't that get health officials just a little curious? And of course, Big Pharma doesn't care because they're getting rich. They're loaded. I mean, how lucky are you if you're Pfizer, you've got the former, former head of the FDA on your board of advisors. I mean, that can't hurt the approval process, right? Keep it in the family. And like, you kind of ask yourself, how, how could we get here? How could we get during this age of just fear and paranoia and psychosis? And you look at this Gallup poll that was released not too long ago, and they found that 41% of Democrats believed the unvaccinated have an over 50% risk of hospitalization. So 41% of Democrats believe the unvaccinated have an over 50% risk of hospitalization. But according to Gallup, it is under 1%. It's 0.89%. And that also doesn't differentiate between age, right? Because if you're younger, you have much, much less likelihood of ending up in the hospital than someone who's elderly. So you look at the psychosis that has taken place, you look at that poll, and you realize maybe why we're making some of these decisions. It's not about the facts. It's not about data. It's about this emotion. It's about this fear. It's about this paranoia that has overtaken our country. And we do have some good people. We have amazing governors like my governor in Florida, Ron DeSantis, who has stood tall against all of this. He has not pushed paranoia. He has been data-driven. He has led with the facts. But he is few and far between. And what we have seen from our leaders like Joe Biden is they have pushed this paranoia. They have pushed this fear. And then they have used it. They have leveraged it to reshape the government to their liking, to push us towards an authoritarian regime, to take us away from checks and balances, to take us away from this constitutional republic, to engage in tyranny. We've already seen how this psychosis 
led to lockdowns, which destroyed the economy, which led to overdoses, which led to, to suicides, which led to so much harm. And now it's leading to discrimination, segregation, and the splitting of the country between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And I've got news for you. It's not going to stop till we make it stop. Do not comply. Vote like your life depends it. Stand up, be loud, make your voice heard, and stand up to this tyranny. The future of this country hangs in the balance. What kind of America do you want to live in? Do you want to live in the home of the brave? Do you want to live in a land of the free? What kind of country do you want? That's what's at stake. And one of the brave people fighting all of this craziness, fighting this hysteria, fighting the lawlessness is Hermit Dillon. She is an awesome nationally recognized lawyer. I, have, I, I think she's amazing. She also founded her own law firm in 2006. She's been ranked as one of California's top attorneys. She's one of the top Republican attorneys in the country. She's a co-chair of the Republican National Lawyers Association. Well, she's representing the Daily Wire, the lead plaintiff in challenging Joe Biden's employer vaccine mandate. She's also defending Project Veritas, uh, the CEO and founder, James O'Keefe, against the FBI's witch hunt. Where we're going to get into that, too. So it's going to be a great show. Lots to talk to her about. She's brilliant. I'm so excited to, to be able to have the chance to interview her. So stick around. Win the battle of your musty, damp basement with an easy breathe ventilation system. Take charge of your indoor air. It's easy with basement ventilation to remove musty odors, pollutants, allergens, and airborne particles by 85%. An easy breathe ventilation system creates air exchanges for cleaner, fresher, healthy indoor air. And right now, get $250 off your own easy breathe ventilation system. Call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com today. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. So I'm really excited to have her meet on the show. She is one of the top Republican lawyers in the country. She is a certified badass, and I, I love her. She's awesome. You know, her meet. We look at what's happening with OSHA right now. They have temporary, or at least it looks like they're stopping implementation of Joe Biden's mandate for private sector employees. You were leading the charge, leading a lawsuit on behalf of the Daily Wire. You know, what does this mean moving forward? The Daily Wire lawsuit uh, was the first in the nation to be filed in, um, in you know, the Sixth Circuit. I think we might be the first in the nation, period, but there's some debate about that. And in any event, Daily Wire has employees all over the United States. <clears throat> but at least 100. 
So they're going to be affected by this vaccine mandate if it goes into effect. And while almost all the people at the Daily Wire and their executives are vaccinated by choice, they don't believe it's their business to get into their employees' personal healthcare choices. And that's kind of the exact same place I am as an employer as well. So I'm so proud to be representing them and making this challenge to uh, various aspects of this mandate. Number one, we don't believe the situation is an emergency within the uh, theories that uh, are, exist for this type of an emergency rulemaking that doesn't have in- input from the public. Um, secondly, we don't think that Congress ever delegated to OSHA in the first place the right to mandate healthcare decisions of workers. You know, OSHA is supposed to be occupational safety and health, and effectively what the government is doing without any due process is classifying non-vaccinated Americans, even those of us who may have natural immunity, as you know, workplace toxic substances, which is crazy and not what the statute intended. And so I think that that's you know, among the reasons that we challenge it. And we feel very good about our bases. We are joined by numerous attorneys general in the United States, have filed in multiple circuits, Uh, to challenge the right of the federal government to do this because the federal government doesn't have police power over workplaces like this, other than in very narrowly prescribed circumstances. So um, what's happening right now in this case, Lisa, is like a a kind of a very interesting to lawyers procedural free for all. Um, The folks in Texas got got out ahead and got a stay, got an injunction, a temporary uh, stay in the fifth circuit. But, all of the cases in the country have currently been transferred to the Sixth Circuit, where we're the leading case. And now people are jockeying for position there as to what exactly we're going to do with respect to um, how quickly we get this up to the top review. And so uh, what I think is at stake here, Lisa, is not just if you're a vaccinated person, why should you care? But what about the next drug? What about regulating? What about the federal government forcing your employer to regulate your reproductive choices or your uh, intake of sugary foods or smoking or other choices that you may make. It's really not the federal government has never had the power to do that. It shouldn't have the power to do that. It certainly shouldn't have the power to do that on the whim of an adult president. And that's really what's at stake in this case. You know, and we've OSHA has now said that they have stopped implementation because of that stay. What does this mean for your case? What does that mean moving forward? They have stopped implementation temporarily. However, we fully expect the government in the next, you know, even as we speak, are probably typing up their papers to set aside that stay. And so it really means nothing. It means temporarily that they're going to obey the court order until they can get that court order set aside. Uh, The government has put all of its uh, credibility behind this particular issue. Um, but I know, I know, Lisa, that they did the same thing with respect to, um, you may recall, that sort of uh, eviction moratorium. They also claimed that that was a, uh, you know, emergency sort of national health issue. And they had to deal with it because of the emergency aspects of it. And, and, and the court, the Supreme Court said, no, it isn't. So um, I think that they're they're really picking some foolish, foolish um, fights here. And the number of like half the governors in the country, half the states in the country are, are, are standing in court saying this is not, 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 your, not, your, not your thing to do. If we want to do it in our state, we can do it, and then we'll fight about it at the state level, but it's really not your place to do this at the federal level.
But do you th- do you think the intent is because the Biden administration has to know that they don't have solid footing here, right? Because you you can't argue that you know one everyone spreads COVID, right? This is this is known. The vaccinated, unvaccinated, ever, people with natural whether vaccinated or not, exactly, and natural people with natural immunity. It's been shown that potentially uh, you know have a, a less likelihood of passing the virus on than even potentially vaccinated people. So there's really no basis of the case. They have to know this. So I mean, as the whole purpose. To try to then just push employers to do it, even knowing that, you know, ultimately the outcome of this case is not going to be in their favor. But, hey, what they've done is put pressure on employers to act in the way that they want. I think there are a few things going on here. I think one of the things going on here is just sheer political, uh, you know, opportunism to change the subject from other policy debacles of the Biden administration uh, and the president that's looking very weak, a president who's numbers are catastrophically low for Democrats. I think they want to change the subject to something they think is popular. But it's po- vaccination is popular. Vaccination is popular in the country, which is demonstrated by the fact that the majority, the vast majority of adults have chosen to get vaccinated. So there's actually no emergency here that requires this. And I think what's, what, what is also going on is indeed, as I articulated, a precedent to use American employers, not the government, but force American employers to force policy choices on employees. And they're being effective in that. So regardless of whether this vaccine mandate is shut down or not, a lot of employers have already used that as an excuse to impose their will on their employees. And, you know, for every benevolent employer out there, like the Daily Wire and the dozens of others who filed suit or like a small firm like mine, there are a lot more big corporate employers who actually want to be able to discriminate against people on the basis of their medical choices. I mean, let's face it, we have discrimination laws in this country because a lot of employers thought it was perfectly fine to not hire people with disabilities, old people, women, etc. And I'm in favor of those discrimination laws because they ultimately make our economy um, much safer for people. But now you're setting up an apartheid in our economy between people who make their private medical choices, which are, by the way, very well based on science. I mean, this is a brand new vaccine. It isn't even a year old. We don't know the long-term effects. We do know the long-term effect. We do know the short-term effects on younger people can be a higher risk of myocarditis and other things like that. We simply don't know. And it's a perfectly legitimate personal choice for people to weigh the cost and benefit and say, I would rather wait until I know more about this. Uh, Instead, employers are forcing it down the throats of so many Americans. I mean, I, I hardly have time to sleep just answering the phones of Americans begging for help over their employers firing them. So to be very clear, people keep asking me the question, what if this OSHA mandate is struck down? Am I safe? The answer is no. Your employer under current federal law and state laws around the country, most states that is, still has a right to require you to be vaccinated as a condition of your employment. Um, This is wrong. This is troubling. Republicans, by the way, over the years have become the party of big business. And big business likes this. Big business likes uniform rules. Big business likes to not have to make exceptions for people's religion or people's medical issues. And so I think it is really high time that we look at making sure that we return to being the party of we the people and not we the multinational corporations. Oh, I agree with that. And then, too, I mean, are, are these employers, are they shielded? Because there is there is risk involved with the vaccine. I'm sorry, you've got countries that are halting, putting restrictions on the Moderna vaccine. Uh, we have seen death deaths uh, actually substantially more than vaccines passed, if you look at VAERS. So, I mean, there is a risk element to this. So do employers, if they force someone to go out and get a vaccine, there's vaccine injury, does that employee have any recourse? 
You know, our federal laws for many years have recognized that vaccines have played a beneficial role in public health, dating back to polio and smallpox and before that. And so the way that the government has chosen to handle that in this country, and in fact, in many countries, is that there's a federal vaccine injury trust fund that's administered by its own board. And that's really how we get um, drug companies to produce these vaccines as we shield them from liability. And similarly, you know, the, the laws similarly really not impose liability on employers who require this because the, the legal analysis is, well, they aren't really requiring you to do it. You certainly have a choice. Your choice is to go find another job. So nobody's really forcing you to do this a vaccination. You can go find another job. But, but that's why I come back to saying that's why big businesses like this, because in a regime where big businesses can demand that you get vaccinated, but small businesses don't have to do that, um, which is kind of, kind of the OSHA setup. Uh, you know, p- people will be able to change jobs. They'll be able to go to another employer. So, um, where everybody has to get it done, or under a fe- or under a federal OSHA mandate, all big businesses have to get it done. All of a sudden, you have no choices. Let's say, you know, if you're a lawyer, you can go work for a small law firm and that isn't covered. But if you're a software programmer that's doing you know, certain high level programming, you can't go work for a smaller employer, all the employers in your field are big employers. And so you're, you're all of a sudden out of a job permanently. Um, So that that lessens competition and employment as well. So you could have a daily wire, a great journalism outfit, and you could have, you know, some some television network, they could compete because daily wire without this OSHA mandate could say, hey, come on down, we respect the uh, choices of our employers. Whereas if it is a one size fits all a federal law that requires all employers over 100 to to dance to this tune of whatever the fad of the day is, um, all of a sudden there is no mobility for the workers. So there's just some some profound implications of these policies that I think people are not thinking about. This is not just about vaccination. It is about choice. It is about private integrity. It is about states' rights. And it is about uh, employee mobility. Well, and the irony is the CDC even changed the definition of what it means to be vaccinated, where previously it was to produce immunity. And this is just to, uh, you know, they, they've lowered the tier because essentially this vaccine doesn't do what actual vaccines are supposed to do in terms of producing uh, immunity. So it just sort of, you know, prevents illness. It, it doesn't produce immunity as evidenced by everyone spreading it, regardless if you're vaccinated or not. Uh, you know, so what was interesting is the judge of the Fifth Circuit, uh, Judge Kurt Engelhart, wrote that uh, or he had noted that the White House chief of staff, Ron Klein, his retweeting of an MSNBC anchor uh, calling the use of the OSHA the ultimate workaround. You know, what impact do you think that retweet had and what impact do you think just that retweet could have moving forward in sort of this admission? Uh, the retweet is the retweet is viewed as an admission by the government that it was trying to get out of, um, you know, otherwise applicable limitations. And I, th- I think it's very damaging. And I think that it's going to be featured in for, for the court rulings on these issues. Um, I think that. Look, obviously, I'm a partisan for a client and, and many other employers who have called me about this issue. And so. Um, but I think if you even set aside the merits of this case regarding vaccines and the need for them and all of that, you simply look at the Administrative Procedures Act and limitations on OSHA. Um, I just don't I don't think the I don't think the government meets checks any of the boxes. It isn't an emergency. In fact, there have been very few situations in history where OSHA has been able to, you know, even has even bothered to pass this type of an emergency 
um, rulemaking and, you know, they haven't survived judicial scrutiny because it isn't typically an emergency. And and this is I think COVID is a very serious disease in our country. Is it an emergency justifying vaccinating a workforce that's already, you know, 75 or 80 percent vaccinated in some states? It, it isn't an emergency. It's just it's just like, you know, peer pressure and shaming and and just feel good for the government. And I'm not here for that. I'm not here to make the government feel good. Um, so I think that federal judges who are honest, even middle of the road federal judges are going to say the government doesn't have this power. Now, if, if a state government did it, like the thing that people have to think about is we're all putting all of our eggs in this basket of OSHA. A state government could do this to you, quite possibly. They could have hearings, they could, and they could make this rule. I'm, I'm afraid California is going to do that. And they may not limit it to people of 100 companies of 100 or more, they may they may make it a much lower threshold. So so that's the risk. So, you know, it isn't everybody shouldn't be watching the Fifth Circuit or the Sixth Circuit as a, you know, kind of the World Series of freedom, because that battle is, is, is played out every single day at your local level and at your state level. And we're not paying enough attention to that tyranny, the tyranny that allows your employer to tell you what drugs to take to keep your job. That's that's nationwide tyranny that isn't affected by this. How much do you think the fact that this doesn't stop the spread comes into play? Because even if they could convince that it was an emergency, the what to the you know what they're trying to prevent that doesn't do what they're trying to say, right? So like back in September, Joe Biden said the whole point of this was to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated to stop the spread. So how does that come into play in the sense of the stated goal isn't true, right? Like it was built on a lie. Yeah, I think that a, a court. So so courts. So let me let me just get into some inside baseball of the law Um, for a court to issue any kind of an emergency ruling on this type of thing. You know, typically a court isn't going to get into the science on on such an expedited basis because there isn't time to have a hearing depositions and all of that good stuff that we typically use to flesh out the facts in a case. But a court can do what the Fifth Circuit did, which is look at these law and assuming the best set of facts for the government say, look, even assuming the best set of facts are, you just lose on the law. You didn't have a right to do this. It's really obvious you didn't have a right to do this. We don't even need to get into the science over it. It doesn't matter. The science doesn't matter. You're just wrong. Um, that's the way we get relief quickly here. And so I think that's, that's, that's what uh, listeners have to understand. But um, I think everybody has noticed by now that the, the, the COVID immune, people who had the disease and recovered, are conspicuously absent from every criterion here, be it at the employer level, be it at the state level, be it at this OSHA level. And I think that's very curious, and that hasn't really received enough attention, which is, you know, where's the lobbyist for the naturally immune? There are plenty of lobbyists for big pharma, there are plenty of lobbyists for every other big business interest, but there's no lobbyists for natural immunity. And, and that's why you aren't seeing that reflected in the law. And that's a problem as well, because those people, you know, if, I, I'm not wishing COVID on anybody, but anybody who had it is in a better position than I am. I'm vaccinated. Anybody who had it is likely to be, have better immunity than I do. Well, the irony, too, is we never talk about therapeutics either, which essentially do the same thing that these vaccines do, because, again, these vaccines don't produce immunity like the CDC used to define a vaccine and vaccinated. Uh, So, you know, we also have therapeutics that do similar in terms of presenting disease, cutting down illness and things like that. But, you know, Hermit, we look at places like Austria where 
the unvaccinated are essentially under house arrest. How susceptible are we to that here in the United States? United States has a federal federalism system of government. And as I said, with respect to our analysis on the OSHA situation, and as I've said, with respect to, you know, even even there was flirtation with even I'm probably in the Trump administration, some people, Fauci's of the world. How can we impose a federal rule on this? Well, you can't in America. Uh, our our separation of powers built into the Constitution says that the states have police power. Um but the federal uh, government really doesn't, except for very narrowly circumscribed federal issues. And so I don't think you could see that in, in, in there. But I would argue that at the beginning of COVID here in California, we were virtually even pre, pre-vaccine, we had house arrest. We weren't allowed to leave our homes other than for going to, quote unquote, essential activities. We weren't supposed to cross county lines at the beginning of COVID, um, I went to court and filed 17 lawsuits, I think, by my last count, to challenge those types of restrictions. And if I hadn't challenged them and a few other brave lawyers hadn't stepped up and challenged them, who knows what our current freedoms would look like, as it is by a series of lawsuits and public shaming and thankfully some media throwing attention on these issues. We were able to regain some of our liberties. We still don't have them. We We still have a state of emergency in California. The governor just renewed it. He's able to disappear for Halloween and, you know, go off for, you know, 10 days. God knows what he was doing. But the rest of us have to have to live under these uh, emergency restrictions and nearing the second year of this whole situation. So this is not a free country right now. Um, You don't have liberty. You have governors making up laws with no accountability. You have people saying that religion isn't essential. You have people saying your small businesses are not essential. Um, you have p- your employers as a cartel almost forcing people to vaccinate when that's not essential. Uh, so I think I think this is the greatest civil rights crisis and crossroads in American history right now. See, I, I agree with you. And just also just the discrimination and segregation we're seeing in society, too, because, I mean, as you pointed out, look, we're, we're America. We have systems of start checks and balances. And I, I keep thinking, look. We're America, you know, we're protected from this, but you just look at what has happened in the country over the past couple of years, and you've had businesses that haven't been able to open, right? Like businesses have been shut down. People have lost everything because of the government coming in and dictating to them if they can or cannot open. We've had, as you've mentioned, people across the country essentially placed under house arrest in lockdown, having to wear a mask, which, you know, the there's studies on all different sides of it, but, you know, not irrefutable that it does a whole lot. And it's just... You keep thinking, you know, what's happening, right? Like, and are are we ever going to get our freedoms back? You know, what concerns me as a development here is the number of, um, there's just so many, but over the last few years, we've seen a few trends converging. And I kind of, you know, trace it back to education in a way. Uh, You have polls of college students, both left and right, who say it's perfectly fine to silence views that I don't agree with. Uh, you know, not just liberals doing that, it's conservatives as well. Um, you have people just being completely ignorant of, of civil rights. You have civil rights organizations like the ACLU, which I once belonged to, abdicating their responsibilities in that regard and not standing up for the rights of people they don't, they don't agree with, who are not liberal. Um, you have uh, Americans cheering punitive jail sentences for people who committed minor infractions. Stupid behavior in the Capitol, in my opinion, but not meriting more jail time than people who've committed serious violent crimes in our country. 
Um, and, and on and on, I give every example and everybody has become very tribal. They're cheering for their side, right or wrong. And not understanding that there are bigger principles that if the tables returned, your situation could be very different. Um, you know, what if there's a Republican president who's uh, in bed with some drug company and some, you know, flu vaccine comes on board and it's a new flu and the, the, the president and his family want to make money with that flu vaccine getting forced into your arm. We don't know the, we don't know the consequences of it. Um, how would people feel about it then? I think people would feel differently about it, I would hope. But, but it doesn't need to come to that. Um, and I think that, you know, I think we're so scared of this disease, which is a ter- terrible disease. We've, we've completely stopped talking about how it came from China, how it was possibly man-made. What are we going to do to protect ourselves from that ever happening to us again? And I think part of all this OSHA stuff and a lot of the other things the president is doing is just a giant distraction from talking about the real underlying issues here. And so I don't know what the answer is to this. I think civic education is important. I, I, am, I have a little bright light of uh, hope when I see liberal organizations, including the ACLU, stand up for, let's say, the rights of a journalist like James O'Keefe. That is happening this week. That is, that is a sign of life in our civil rights establishment. But it's a very small sign of life um, at the same time when these same organizations do not care about needles and drugs being forced into the arms of unwilling Americans. You made a really good point about sort of, you know, academia and like what people have been taught and sort of the changing sentiments of what it means to be American. And like we have these institutions that are set up to protect us and to protect our liberties and freedoms. But it's like what happens when the people within those liberties or with the people within those institutions no longer have regard for the law? And you have judges that don't really have a regard for the Constitution or our law. You know, so it just seems like we've seen this mass erosion in part, as you mentioned, because of these changing sentiments about what it means to be American or or what it means to be free or have liberty. And so it's like, you know, even though our institutions are built to last, what about, you know, the people with inside them changing them to such a degree and not honoring those traditions and those beliefs and those, you know, what our nation was founded upon? Well, I don't have any easy answers for this. I don't know how we get back there uh, to where we have some common agreements and understandings. We may disagree about the details, but we agree fundamentally that this is a wonderful country, that we have some first principles that are worth fighting for, that we can agree to disagree with our enemies, but agree on certain principles. Um, You know, we've kind of lost that. And I think in a very few short years, and I really blame the leadership of the Democratic Party for that. Um, Republicans are still a pretty broad spectrum of views. We have, we have Lindsey Graham and, and, you know, Mitt Romney willing to rubber stamp any judge who Joe Biden puts up. They, they, they're, they're fighting some Marcus of Queensberry gentlemen's rules from the 1800s. And, and, and the left is not fighting that same game. The left is tearing down our institutions. The left is denying decent people like Judge Kavanaugh a fair hearing. The left is, um, is, is, is shattering our institutions. The left is trying to take your children and, and, and erase gender, erase history, erase legal norms, erase facts in the name of remaking society in their uh, idolatrous image. Um, and so I'm not saying we should do that, to be very clear. There are quite a few conservatives who are saying we should do the same thing. Let us fight fire with fire. Let us have the unprincipled Alinskyite, you know, insane people. I, I don't want to live in that world either. 
But I think we have to somehow work on the reasonable middle and bring them around to our side. I mean, you know, we did see some political success in Virginia by a very nimble candidate, uh, Glenn Youngkin, who I, you know, I was very impressed with the way he was able to pivot and seize on this important cultural issue of the schools being corrupt and uh, attempting to cover up sexual assaults by a transgender student and other issues of indoctrination. That was, that was smart and savvy, and we see common ground. Um, we see common ground with people who care about their children. So I think this party, the Republican Party, needs to get a, away from worrying about so much, you know, the, the, the salt tax, for example. You know, the salt tax benefits, you know, the cutting the salt tax benefits people in my income bracket. That's great. But, you know, let's let's focus on the issues that affect a lot more Americans, bread and butter issues, first principles issues, fundamental issues, and less about tax breaks for the rich. No, I agree with that. And, you know, the left does play by a completely ball, different ball game. I mean, they're willing to call people like Winsome Sears uh, a white supremacist so, or accuse someone like Brett Kavanaugh of gang rape, basically. So they definitely play in a whole different arena than Republicans do. Let's take a quick commercial break and then we're going to get to the Project Veritas story. Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. You know, I do want to get to this Project Veritas case. So the FBI raided James O'Keefe's uh, residence and the residencies of uh, associates of his because of an alleged diary belonging to uh, Biden's daughter, daughter, which ended up in their hands. Uh, you know, what's the backstory with this? What do people need to know if they haven't been paying attention to it? Sort of give us the 101. The 101 is a year ago before the election in October of last year. As they do, tipsters called the Project Veritas um, tip line and told the, um, you know, company, the the journalism outfit that they had 
Ashley Biden's diary, which was abandoned in a uh, in a place that the tipsters were staying after Ashley Biden stayed there. So um, our client, Project Veritas, as they've said publicly, they negotiated with these tipsters uh, through lawyers. And they reached an agreement with those um, tipsters that they would evaluate this uh, diary. They, they bought the right to it. They evaluated it. They contacted the Biden campaign. The Biden campaign refused to authenticate the diary. Um, they reached out to a phone number they were told was for Ashley Biden. The person who answered the phone would not verify that she had a diary and that the diary was what was being described. Uh, there was a phone call with a lawyer for Ashley Biden, a prominent liberal Democratic lawyer in D.C., in uh, New York, rather, who said, uh, you know, give it back. And, we, and our client said, is, is that is, is this your client's property? Will you, will you have her identify it? They would not answer that. So our client, unable to authenticate this document, uh, decided to turn it over to uh, local police in Florida, where the diary was allegedly found. And that took place on election day 2020, a year ago, over a year ago now, a year and two weeks. Fast forward to like almost a year later, and suddenly there's a grand jury convened in New York, Southern District of New York, and our client gets a grand jury subpoena. And it promptly, you know, reaches out through counsel and says, hey, hi, here we are. We're happy to, you know, discuss with you what you need. And we could talk about giving you what you need within the confines of the First Amendment or whatever. The conversation never got beyond, hi, I'm your lawyer. I'm the lawyer. How can I help you? And so issuing a search warrant for the homes of journalists is an extraordinary thing to do in America. And the United States Department of Justice guidelines say that it is only supposed to be done in, in very, very rare circumstances that don't apply here. Ignoring those guidelines and ignoring the federal constitutional uh, cases that have come out regarding even a journalist's possession of stolen property, which is perfectly legal, as long as the journalists themselves have a hand in stealing it or stole it themselves. The DOJ got these search warrants for two Project Veritas former journalists and for James O'Keefe. They were executed two days apart. Um, and the New York Times was clearly tipped off to these two searches. Uh, the New York Times called for comment within minutes of each of them. And no other journalism outfit had that information. So the clear implication is that the New York Times got that information from the DOJ. So what's going on here? Our client doesn't have the diary. Our client's enemies and, and opponents in litigation, the New York Times, are being tipped off to these absolutely excessive and egregious and unconstitutional raids on journalism's home, journalists' homes. And um, now the United States Department of Justice has multiple uh, electronics in its possession, including two of James O'Keefe's phones. Those phones include, they don't have the diary on them because the diary is, is a piece of property that was turned into to law enforcement a year ago. They have Project Veritas's privileged communications with its lawyers, including me. I represent Project Veritas in multiple lawsuits. They have Project Veritas's sources. So all the tipsters who communicate with Project Veritas, a lot of information about them, who they are, where they live, where are they embedded, if they are confidential informants, which big tech companies or big pharma companies or government agencies do they work in so this is incredibly damaging um blow to the well, and also probably people within the government too right exactly. probably Which people agency? at the doj or fbi likely yeah 100 percent. so 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 government employees uh and and corporate people are are their names and their confidential information 
if, if applicable, is on there. And then, and then donors of Project Veritas. Project Veritas is a successful 10-year-old nonprofit, and it is able to do the journalism that listeners enjoy by virtue of donations from the public. And Democrats have a history of harassing and persecuting nonprofits that are conservative. We saw this under Obama, and, and it is really Obama 2.0 right now. It's the same sleazy playbook that we saw under Obama. So right now, the government has that information. So a federal judge pursuant to um, my colleague Paul Kelly's memorandum in the court has issued a stay on the government's review of that information pending a full hearing on the matter. And, and what we've asked for is that we don't trust the government, given the clear leaks that the government is doing to The New York Times. We do not trust the government to review that material and segregate the privileged information from the relevant information, if any. And so we've asked for the court to appoint a lawyer, a special master, whose job it is to go through and segregate out the, the information that we find uh, important and useful. Um, so, so that's where we stand. And uh, as I mentioned a little earlier, I'm heartened that the American Civil Liberties Union, the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, uh, a couple of other journalism outlets, uh, even the Washington Post, uh, Eric Wemple issued a story yesterday. He's a media critic. He issued a story questioning this whole situation and, and, and whether the government had the goods. Um, unless the government has evidence that James O'Keefe or Project Veritas themselves stole this diary or commissioned it being stolen or participated in it being stolen, they, the government literally has no case. It cannot get a conviction on this set of facts. The United States Supreme Court case from 2001 called Bartnicki versus Vopper makes it clear that it is legal for a journalist to publish stolen information. In, in fact, we have the Pentagon Papers. And we have so many other instances in American journalism of exactly that. We have during the, the for, for all the criticism the left levies at President Trump, in all the years he was the president, I don't recall ever reading of a, a you know, gang of 10 FBI agents, you know, G-men showing up with a battering ram and handcuffs to Maggie Haberman's home, to the home of Brian Stelter or any of, of Rachel Maddow or any of the journalists who clearly published and used information that was leaked or stolen. Somebody stole President Trump's tax returns. They were published by the media. Nobody has been uh, had their door knocked down because of that, because we simply don't play those types of games. It's illegal and it's unconstitutional. So I think the DOJ has a lot to answer for. And Tom Cotton wrote a very good letter on Monday of this week demanding that the uh, attorney general answer the answer these questions. What was your justification? What is the federal crime? What? How do you square this with your own DOJ guidelines and how do you square this with the United States constitutional legal precedent? Um, and I think we're going to hear more about this. I think we're going to hear uh, eventually as this case unfolds uh, that there was a political motivation here having nothing to do with this diary at all. The diary is published. Some other organization published this diary after Project Veritas declined to publish it. Some other organization published it, not with Project Veritas's assistance or help and Project Veritas's not happy about that. You can read the, 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 the um, Washington Post story about this. So what, what is this about? It isn't about Ashley Biden's diary. It's about something else. It's about telling the American media and the American public that you better not cry, 
across the Biden family or this may happen to you. So every journalist in America right now that's getting tips is wondering, oh, my God, if these tips are unflattering to Joe Biden or his allies, is my door going to get broken down? And if you're a lawyer, you're wondering that as well, because if the United States Department of Justice isn't going to honor the sacred uh, protections around the press, are they going to honor sacred protections around legal privilege, medical privilege? I have no confidence in that. Well, and, and it's also, you know, scary because this comes with whistleblower documents that we saw where the DOJ was, in fact, targeting parents uh, as domestic terrorists. Uh, you know, so it, it does present this image that the Biden administration's weaponizing government. And as you mentioned, we've seen this before with the Obama administration. They spied on reporters. They also use the IRS to target uh, conservatives as well. You know, so what's the justification? What's the what's the FBI saying? What's the what's the DOJ saying about this? Like, what's the justification for this as as they see it? They haven't said anything publicly as yet. Um, the federal judge has ordered them to file a brief responding to our request for a special master by Friday. They have also uh, filed a um, the, the court has also ordered them to file a uh, response to the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press's motion to unseal the underlying search warrants. Um, and so they'll respond to, on Friday and we'll see what they have to say about it. But I'm very confident in telling you that my client did not steal uh, the material and and I'm not even sure it was stolen. Uh, you know, if, if you're, re- you know, I, I'm not here to dwell on somebody's personal misery. I think it's very sad, the situation of the Biden children, but they're troubled people. And, you know, Ms. Biden um, is allegedly somebody who's had a history with drug use. It's entirely plausible that she abandoned her property somewhere. Uh, and so I, I, I think th- this whole situation smacks of, again, political abuses. Well, there's also allegedly some stuff in there about um, her dad. But so I, I assume that might have uh... But anyways, so but it's been published. So, you know, it's been published. So like, what's the what's the what's the urgency here? Yeah, we, you'd well, and then too, that's still not a reason for the I mean, if anything, that just makes the FBI and, and Biden look worse. And in, in terms of this sort of just political bias and weaponizing government and law enforcement against uh, a political opponent, more or less. You know, so you mentioned the freedom of press, the director, uh, Trevor, Tim, as you you had mentioned, you know, he had talked about that this could be a violation of the Privacy Protection Act. What protections should be given to Project Veritas under the Privacy Protection Act? The Privacy Protection Act, again, provides journalists with some, you know, some statutory protection, not constitutional, but statutory protection from unreasonable searches and seizures. And, you know, the um, I mean, I, I don't have time to get into every provision of it. It's like a whole other segment. But 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 we look, the Bill of Rights has five, uh, you know, protections in it. And, you know, most of the attention these days is on freedom of speech and, and freedom of religion. That's certainly what I've focused a lot of my career on. But freedom of the press in the United States Constitution is born out of the fact that, you know, King George didn't want a free press talking about what was happening in the colonies here and about the Revolutionary War. And journalists were persecuted uh, you know, violently in the Revolutionary War. And so freedom of the press was like, really high up there on those protections in, in the Constitution. And um, there's always a temptation by people in power to, um, you know, silence, silence their critics. And so 
Uh, I think the Privacy Protection Act has some good protections for journalists. I think they could be better. Uh, United States Department of Justice's guidelines issued in July of this year were meant to take a dig at President Trump. President Trump and his administration attacked leaks from their administration from the White House by sending subpoenas to some journalists. Subpoenas, not search warrants. And so there was, you know, questions asked of CNN and, and a couple of other at New York Times. And, you know, and they were also told because of grand jury secrecy to not talk about the grand jury subpoenas and, and, and other legal process. And so they didn't. And then later this uh, sort of this summer, the DOJ made a big fanfare of saying we are no longer asking these journalism entities to be silent about about this. And they're freed from these gag orders. And then they issued these guidelines, it's three pages of guidelines that say that we aren't even going to issue search warrants to journalists anymore or subpoenas or any legal process to find out what they're reporting on. We're not going to, yeah, we're not going to do any of that. We're not going to do any of that uh, unless they are suspects in a criminal case themselves. So what they are saying in raiding James O'Keefe's home is he must be a suspect. However, he has not been given notice under federal procedure that he is, uh, he is suspected of a crime. And as I noted, the, the United States, in my, in my opinion, could not ever get a prosecution on any of the facts here because of the First Amendment, because of binding Supreme Court precedent that protects journalists who, even if this diary were stolen and they published it, that is not a crime in the United States. They, they cannot hold a journalist liable for that. It is protected by the First Amendment. So they, I think, went on a fishing expedition and also, as we all know, James O'Keefe and Project Veritas are repeat and persistent critics, not just of the United States government, but of big corporate uh, cronies of government figures of big tech. They have broken stories recently critical of big pharma. They have broken stories repeatedly critical of big tech. They have broken stories repeatedly critical of Democrat administrations and not just Democrats. And they have consistently, as gadflies in the press, um, exposed hypocrisy, wrongdoing, lies, you name it. They've embarrassed CNN. I mean, you name it, they've gone after any, anybody in power. And in one fell swoop, you can seize a couple of telephones and, you know, drive a heart, a stake through the heart of a, of a very uh, potent uh, journalistic endeavor. That's what the hope is here. But, you know, they picked the wrong fight because this is not some fly-by-night outfit. And James O'Keefe has, and Project Veritas have, a team of lawyers. Uh, There are over 30-plus lawyers listed in our application for a special master whose communications with Project Veritas are on that telephone. And um, we're fighting back. Uh, This is existential for journalism. This is existential for the right to criticize your government. This is existential for... Uh, you know, the sanctity of due process in this country, and you don't bang down doors without probable cause. I 100% agree with you. And then, you know, to how much information has the DOJ already been able to obtain from his his phones and his personal, uh, you know, information. So uh, now does, does James have any recourse? Yeah, what did they do? Yeah, exactly. Well, and do they use that then to target other Americans now that they have 
you know, internal knowledge about what's happened. Like, you know, are people going to be fired within institutions? And then that sends a chilling effect, too, because that impacts people wanting to step forward and whistleblowers wanting to step forward. So I agree with you. It's a chilling effect from a number of degrees, from freedom of the press, from whistleblowers stepping forward to, you know, anyone who wants to stand up against the Biden administration, right? We're going to target you. We're going to show up at your home. We're going to raid it, just like they did with the people involved with January 6th, just like they're targeting Steve Bannon, just like they've been going after the Trump org. If you stand up to the Biden administration, if you stand up to the left, they're going to use the arms of the government. They're going to use law enforcement to target you. So it's a, it's a part of this broader slippery slope that we're on as a country, even getting into some of the stuff we were getting into earlier uh, with COVID. So just scary stuff. I'm glad I'm glad you're working on this. Um, Harmeet, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Keep up the good work. Uh, you are truly someone who's putting this all into action and, and actually fighting back and winning. So I appreciate what you do and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Take care. I want to thank Harmeet Dillon for her insight today and I want to thank you guys at home for listening if you enjoyed today's show please leave us a review and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts you can also find me on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at at Lisa Marie Booth I want to thank our team producer John Cassio researcher Aaron Kliegman and our executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich all part of the Gingrich 360 network and team Imagine getting in a hot, stuffy car in the summer. You know how it cools off much faster when you roll down the windows first to get the hot air out? Well, that's exactly how an Easy Breathe basement ventilation system works. Removing all the musty, damp, stagnant air and replacing it with fresher, cleaner, drier air. Take charge of your air with Easy Breathe ventilation and get $250 off today. Ask about DIY kits. Visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com or call 866-822-7328. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes, Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.